This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family so to get your own active skin repair go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20 percent off your order when you use the code shameless that's activeskinrepair.com use the code shameless for 20 percent off your order activeskinrepair.com code shameless this is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 744. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 744. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Hello, shameless moms. Happy Monday. If you are getting this in live time, I know lots of you are on spring break. I also know a lot of you had spring break weeks ago, which probably feels like years ago now. (laughs) So whether you're just enjoying spring or you're enjoying spring break or you're having spring break and not enjoying it and dying for your children to be back in school, (laughs) happy Monday. So we're going to talk about parenting burnout today. And this is interesting because I spent a lot of time talking about just burnout in motherhood or how the compounding demands on women and mothers lead us to burnout. But I haven't really specifically talked about or dug into like caregiver parental burnout in the past, but it's something that I know is very real. And it's something that is kind of increasingly coming up in circles of moms who I know who maybe haven't been able to previously identify the burnout that they're feeling as parenting burnout. And so if you have like little kids who just demand your time 24-7 and you can never get a break, or you have a little bit older kids maybe, but they're really, really high need, or you have older children who have, you know, maybe acute stressors, all those things can lead to parenting burnout. 
and I did some research on this. I found a really fantastic article, which I will link to in the show notes. But the article that I found talked through some really great statistics, which I'm going to share with you today. Also talked through like signs and symptoms in a really concise, clear way, which I think is going to be helpful. And then it was so interesting. I'm always like when people talk about like give tips around like burnout and self-care and stuff, I'm always like, hmm, like how does this align with what I talk about in terms of self-care and nourishing oneself? And a lot of the things that this article suggested were the same things I suggested. So I was like, okay, great, because this is coming from the experts. And it's very much in line with what I recommend for people who are experiencing burnout of any kind, in terms of taking care of yourself and really prioritizing your needs and even like recognizing your needs um, before you can even identify what your needs are. So this is a lot that we're going to dig into today, but I hope that it's really, really helpful for you. I hope that this is an opportunity for you to see yourself a little bit and maybe understand some of the things that you're feeling, experiencing, going through as a parent. Maybe this is something that you're going to say or recognize like, oh gosh, this was me in the past and I didn't see it. Or maybe you're going to file this away and when life gets hectic in the future, you're going to be able to pull this out and be like, okay, now I know what this is. Or you might be in it right now. And if you are, I see you holding this space for you for sure. And I hope that this really helps you out. So when we're talking about parenting burnout, what are we talking about? Let's first look at a little bit of data. So there was a study done out of Ohio a few years ago, out of Ohio, not a few years ago, sorry, in May of 2022, which feels like a few years ago, right? So in May of 2022, this study comes out of Ohio State University. And the study was based on a survey of 1300 parents with children under the age of 18 living at home. So according to this research, two thirds of working parents reported feeling burned out. In addition to that, 68% of female parents felt burnt out versus 42% of male parents. Now, those are also numbers that are elevated from past studies in both genders. And so female parents are more burnt out than they used to be. Male parents are more burnt out than they used to be. On top of that, three quarters of parents who have a history of personal anxiety reported experiencing burnout. So as someone who's diagnosed with anxiety, I can tell you that if you are someone who just manages anxiety on a normal daily basis, parenting does not make your anxiety any better. (laughs) So that statistic made a lot of sense to me. And then on top of that, parents who have children diagnosed with ADHD or anxiety were more likely to experience burnout. And so earlier I mentioned if you have children with high needs, that's an example right there of a child who might have more need more care or need more emotional support. And that's more likely to tip you into that place of experiencing parental burnout. I also was thinking through and the data didn't really dig into this, but I was thinking through an upcoming guest that we have coming on the show, then meet CT. And she is a parent who has a chronically terminally ill child. So if you have a child with a chronic illness, or obviously a terminal illness, of course, your level of burnout is going to be or potential for burnout is going to be higher because you are on the clock or on the job around the clock in a different way in a more intense way. And with potentially really critical ramifications that you are always having to navigate and react to. So let's also look at the root cause. This part is fascinating to me because I remember having this experience when I worked in the psychiatric hospital and I was able to pinpoint it back then. And I actually had it again when Vinny was teeny tiny and it's like proven in this research now. So according to this research, the root cause of parent 
parent burnout is an imbalance between the demands of parenting and the rewards of parenting. So let me show you how this has shown up in my life. So when I worked at my hospital job, I worked in the psychiatric hospital with children. They were ages four to 14. This was my first job out of college. And I loved this job. What was so interesting to me was that I loved the work, even though it was really, really, really hard. And what I recognized is that I very frequently had hard days and infrequently had like these really great days that were not so hard. All it took was having one infrequent, pretty good day to motivate me to really stay in this work because I my heart was in the work, but it was really, really hard. And I recognized a couple of years into the job, like, okay, I only need to have a really good day, like once every two to three weeks. And then I can like, it rejuvenates me to keep going for all the hard days. And we would have these cycles that were really hard where we would get, you know, kids came into the hospital for typically three-ish weeks at a time. And so we would get these blends of kids that would just be super challenging. So for two to three weeks at a time, we would have like a cycle of kids that were just really, really overwhelming. But then you would like have a shift, like one or two of them would leave or get transferred or someone new would come in that would kind of change the mix a bit. And then all of a sudden you would have a day where you were like, okay, like I feel like we got a little reprieve. Now I can keep going. And so I recognized that early on that like that was the thing I needed to have that like day of reward in order to keep going with the high demands of the job. Then when Vinny was little, and I was just talking to a neighbor about this who has a brand new baby, but I remember when Vinny was teeny tiny and having like lots and lots of nights of horrible sleep and getting to this point of like, oh my gosh, if I have to have another night, like last night and the night before and the night before and the night before, I don't know if I can keep going. And then All it would take is like that night I would get like 10 more minutes of sleep. Like one thing would just shift by like 1% and all of a sudden I'd be like, okay, like it feels like the needle might be moving in the right direction. That was reward enough to keep going. Or you can also probably relate to like getting no sleep one night, but then like your kid does something super cute in the morning and you're like, okay, but like they did the cute thing. Like that reward now makes it easier to keep going or makes it possible to keep going. So when we look at parent burnout, we can identify that the imbalance between demands and rewards, if it gets skewed enough, like that's going to lead us to burnout. If we're doing all this work and all this intensity in terms of giving, giving, giving with little to no reward or very infrequent or unpredictable rewards, then it makes sense that that's going to lead us to burnout. So if you think about times where you've gone, where your child has gone through a lot of struggles, or you've had just a really hard seasoning, seasoning, a really hard season of parenting, where maybe your relationship with your child has been rocky, then you can see how going through a long season where there's high demand and low reward can lead to burnout. So what does burnout actually look like? It can look like a lot of different things. And this is where when we like talk about postpartum depression, it can look like so many things. And I almost hesitate to talk about the signs because I don't want you to take this as an exhaustive list because it can look like a lot of different things. But here's some things. And the reason it's important to talk through some of the signs is because if you see yourself in this list, it might help you identify that you might need some support. If you don't see yourself in this list, but you're like, I think I might be struggling with burnout. Yeah, you also could be struggling with burnout. You might just have different kind of, it might be showing up for you differently, or you might be having symptoms in different ways. So first would be feeling trapped. And the extreme of this would be 
really, really desperate thoughts, even potentially suicidal thoughts. Now, this is a really important place to say, like, if this is you, please, please, please get professional help. This podcast is not for a parent who is experiencing burnout and having like escape ideation or suicidal ideation. If you are struggling on that level, you need to get professional help right now. You can reach out to your doctor. You can reach out to the suicide hotlines, like reach out to me personally. I would be happy to point you to resources. This whole conversation is not for a case of burnout that is to that extreme, but I'm acknowledging that that can absolutely be a sign. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school.
Another sign of burnout can be increase in addictive or unhealthy behaviors, and especially numbing behaviors. So like drinking and smoking would obviously be one, like drinking drug use, smoking, those kinds of things, potentially sugar, potentially addictive things like scrolling social media, binging TV. Now, these are all things that like a little bit here and there, no big deal. But when it is a constant escape or numbing, that's really different. Another can be intense physical or mental exhaustion. So just like other kinds of burnout, just feeling like completely drained and fatigued all the time. Another would be risk of um, or feeling symptoms of anxiety and depression. So you can hear how a lot of these are really similar to like postpartum depression symptoms. Another might be emotional detachment. Emotional detachment from others in the world. So when we start to be, feel burned out, we start typically commonly start to isolate or detach from the ones that we love. And so this might be that you isolate like in a hole in your room kind of isolation, or it might be that you start detaching from other from your the family member who's burning you out, the child that's burning you out, or emotionally detaching from other relationships in your world where you maybe historically have gotten support. Another would be irritation, irritability, frustration, just like low patience, which feels like any day of parenting, right? Another would be sleep problems or other health issues, migraines, headaches, muscle aches. Another would be an increase in conflict in different relationships in your life. Of course, it makes sense that like if you're struggling in a parenting issue, it might creep over into your marriage. It might creep over into other personal relationships or family relationships. And then a feeling of an inadequacy or a loss or um, poor sense of accomplishment related to parenting. And this one is so relatable. Like if you feel like you can't help your kid or you feel like you're just spinning your wheels, it's very, very common and normal to feel inadequate and not worthy as a parent. And then another and final one would be loss of motivation and interest in the things that you've commonly typically enjoyed. So when we look at this list, this is really like similar to a list of symptoms of depression, symptoms of postpartum depression, symptoms of anxiety. Like these are really common to in and aligned with other mental health symptoms. And so if you're experiencing these, it can be a little confusing. And so I want you to think through like, how do these things relate to you? In what scenario? And maybe you've had some symptoms where you're like, hmm, I thought it was this one thing, but maybe it's parenting burnout. There's definitely things that can increase your chances or increase stressors that can lead to parenting burnout. And so also, if you're thinking like, I wonder if this is me thinking through what are some of the triggering events that may be happening? So maybe you have a child with physical, mental health challenges, neurodiversity that needs like extra attention or extra support. Maybe you have lack of support from a co-parent. Maybe you have just two parents working really stressful jobs outside the home. Maybe there's a lot of financial stress in your family life. Maybe you don't have other caregivers, other family or extended family to reach out to. Um, I know for us, when Vinny was really little, like we don't have any family right in the area. That was stressful for us. Maybe you have overscheduled everything in your life and there's like never a moment to breathe. Maybe you have a struggle in attachment. And this is like, this can come up when we talk about intergenerational trauma. If you have had struggles with attachment in other relationships in your life, especially with primary caregivers, that can make parenting really, really challenging. And then maybe you are struggling with perfectionism or feeling like you need to be a certain kind of parent and feeling like you're not fulfilling that role. So when you think about like what the kind of quote unquote, what a mom should look like or a mom should do, and you recognize that you're not living up to that standard in your head, 
then it could be some perfectionism or even imposter syndrome getting in the way that can increase your tendency toward burnout because you're creating this narrative in your head that you're not doing things right or well enough. So all those things can increase fact, uh, increase your likelihood or propensity toward parental burnout. What are the factors that decrease parental burnout? So decreasing there's a lot of things that you can do to decrease it so that it never happens. And then there's other things that you can do when you recognize that you're in burnout mode in terms of kind of being able to self-treat if you're not in that position of needing really higher level professional help. And so things that can decrease parental burnout are going to be things that decrease stress. How can you decrease stress? So perhaps self-care and self-compassion, perhaps talking to yourself like you are a human being who's doing your very best job and really giving yourself credit for that. Perhaps growing and evolving in your own emotional intelligence so that you have some tools. So when you have higher emotional intelligence or higher EQ, as we call it, you are more likely to be able to have coping skills to deal with chronically challenging situations. So if you are a parent that has high EQ or is working on growing your EQ, which you can always grow and evolve, then you are someone who's going to be able to not internalize everything and see it as a reflection of your own self-worth. You're going to be able to put some distance and objectivity into that relationship and be able to see something for what it's worth at face value rather than having it align with your own self-worth every time your child is or is not successful. I remember um, reading a couple months ago a post about a mom talking about struggling with their recognizing that their own self-worth was really tied up in whether or not their child was happy on any given day. So their child had been through some ups and downs with friends and school and all sorts of different things. And this parent, this mom had recognized like, oh gosh, like my self-worth keeps getting wrapped up into like whether or not my kid had a good day at school or whether or not my kid is feeling successful and friendships. And so if you have that higher emotional intelligence, you can recognize like, oh, wow, I'm equating these two things. That's not healthy. It's not appropriate. It's not accurate. <laughs> like I can be a really worthy person and also have a child who's struggling. Like those two things can coexist and be true at the same time. Another thing that can decrease parent burnout is prioritizing downtime. And this is a really hard one, I think, because I think it's the thing that we don't do until it's too late. So how can you prioritize downtime for yourself, time away from your from your child, from your children, time away from your partner and your household if you need to, <laughs> to be that way, like really getting downtime that really feels like downtime, not like just relaxation time with your family laying on the couch altogether, but like really all like being apart, <laughs> having some like separation. Another thing that can decrease stress is positive co-parenting and co-parenting, whether or not you are partnered, like living in the same household. So co-parenting with a partner that lives in your household with you or co-parenting with a partner that doesn't. But recognizing that like if you have someone where you have each other's back and you can tag team, that's going to be really, really helpful. I was just talking to a mom the other day about like a situation where a child was just feeling all the big feelings and it went on and on and on as can happen when a child has big feelings. And the mom was like, oh yeah, like my partner and I kept having to tag team and like I got 10 minutes and now you got 10 minutes until like we could really help this child kind of get back to a place of like calm and like restored function, <laughs> emotional function. So if you don't have that person on your side, if you don't have someone on your team to be able to do that with, that's going to obviously increase stress. So positive co-parenting experiences and collaborative co-parenting experiences are obviously going to decrease stress. And then having external support from family and friends. And so I know that it's so helpful when I 
I can think of so many examples of like going for a walk with a friend who has a child, you know, within a few years age of Vinny's and just being able to compare stories and be like, oh my gosh, this is happening to you too. Okay. Like that kind of support, emotional support is really helpful. And then also having family support. I know um, my lovely, lovely sister-in-law, shout out to my sister-in-law, Holly, who's come up multiple times to take care of Vinny and watch Vinny so that my husband and I can go on trips and get away and do things. And that's like so, so special to us. And because we don't have people in the area, like those, that goes a really, really long way. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Ko, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. So I want you to think about what are the factors that increase stress on parenting for you? And then what are the ways that you could potentially decrease that parenting stress? And then I want you to also, as you think this through, really, really give yourself a break. So I've read this statistic before. I don't think I've shared it on the show, but I think this is really important to recognize. So we have talked on the show about quality over quantity when it comes to parenting. And especially if you are someone who works full-time, it can often feel like you're not giving your kid or your kids enough, that you're not giving them enough time. And we know that the research shows that quality matters more than quantity. If you're giving your kid 20 minutes of quality time a day, that that's better than a few hours of poor quality time or like not being very attentive to their needs. So we know that quality over quantity is really significant. But here's the other thing. What's not recognized is how much time parents spend with their children compared to 50 years ago. So American mothers, this is like research, statistic, studies across studies across studies. American mothers now spend twice as much time with their children compared with women 50 years ago, which is so interesting because 50 years ago, we had moms who, for the most part, a lot of them were staying at home. Now, when I think about 50 years ago, it's like early 70s, right? So there was many working mothers at that time. But like in that generation right before that, there was a lot of women who stayed at home to raise children. They were spending less time with their children on a daily basis than women who work full time today. Because you know what they did? They said, hey, kids, go outside and don't come home until I ring the dinner bell. <laughs> and so really kids were like raised outside in neighborhood communities. It was much different than all the hands-on parenting time that we do today. So American mothers now spend twice as much time with their children compared to women 50 years ago, but also have way more other demands on their time, especially as many of us are in this role of working full-time outside the home. 
also potentially being caregivers to aging family members. So, so many different demands. We on average spend 125 minutes per day with our kids. That is twice as much time as 50 years ago. And since 1965, fathers have tripled the amount of time spent with their kids to an average of about an hour a day. So that's a great thing. Yes. But this can be draining for both parents. So recognizing like this is just draining across the board, right? And I know that like all of you were like, wait, hold on. (laughs) Fathers spend an average of an hour a day with their kids. Mothers spend an average of 125 minutes a day with their kids, which is two hours and five minutes. Like, yes, the discrepancy. I see it. Not what we're here to talk about today. But yes, I see it. And also, we are here to talk about like parenting burnout is primarily more going to impact women, which is what we saw in that earlier statistic that I gave you that like in that study, I think, what was it? I'm scrolling through my notes. 68% of female parents were burned out versus 42% of males. So that all totally aligns. So what can we do now? If you're listening to this and you're like, yeah, it's me. (laughs) What can you do? I want you to first of all, recognize if this is you, that you are so not alone. And I want you to recognize how many moms are struggling with this, who have not listened to this episode, who don't know that they're struggling with it. And maybe you could all talk about this, (laughs) that like, this is a legit thing. This is a really legit thing. And you might be thinking like, how can I be burnt out on parenting if I'm not spending that much time with my kids because I work full time? No, you are. You're spending more time than you think. And I want you to also think about that it's not just about the time that you spend with your kids each day. It's also about how much time do you spend worrying about your kids each day? How much time do you spend managing your children's lives each day, even when you're not with them? So on any given day when Vinny's at school, I am still making like, I don't know, 50, 11 decisions about his life during that day in terms of what we're doing that weekend, how he's getting to practice, what I'm making for dinner, what summer camp he's going to get signed up for. Did I reply RSVP to this other thing? And did we get this other kid a birthday gift? Like all these things that are happening when I am not in like face-to-face contact with him all contribute to that parent burnt out, burnout. So we're going to talk through five strategies for counteracting this burnout if you recognize like, yeah. So the first strategy is to ask for help. (laughs) And I know this isn't any of our strong suits. (laughs) Asking for help is a really hard thing, but asking for help, whether this is coordinating with other moms and being supportive of one another by asking for help. So this is something I've gotten better and better at doing with circles of moms to say like, hey, can you take my kid here and I'll take your kid there? Like asking for help just in terms of caregiver support. But asking for help can also look like exploring treatment options for yourself or for your child or exploring different kinds of support for yourself or for your child. I know when Vinny was really little, we did some play therapy for him to kind of figure out like what what's happening in his brain that's creating a lot of stress for both of us. So asking for support can look like kind of therapeutic support. It can also look like community support, like leaning on other moms in your community. It can look like having a frank conversation with your partner saying like, hey, I'm overwhelmed. This is too much. I need support. This like I need something's got to give. So how can you ask for help in different ways? The great thing about asking for help that I have seen over and over and over is that when you ask for help, when you're vulnerable around like, I feel like I have too much on my plate. It's amazing to me how many people feel honored to be invited to support you. That's a huge expression of trust to go to someone and say like, hey, I'm struggling and I need something. And people generally really honor that and they feel 
privileged to be able to be in that trusting relationship with you. So don't underestimate the power of asking for help as a means of building more trusting relationships with people, which like then just like cyclically allows you to be more supportive of one another as well, which is a really beautiful thing. The second strategy is to recognize and hold space for how common this is and letting go of that guilt and shame around it, but also talking freely about this and like telling other people and letting this like normalizing parenting burnout, normalizing motherhood burnout, normalizing the mental load of motherhood, which I've done other episodes around, but really normalizing this so that it doesn't have to be this like weird, like I'm struggling with burnout and I don't want to tell anyone. This is very common and I would get I would venture to guess that every mom has felt this at some time or will feel it at some time. Like if you haven't felt it yet, like don't worry, your turn's coming. So really normalizing it and normalizing it is like not only does it release the tension for you, but it also gives other mom's permission to do the same, which is a really powerful thing. Next is practicing self-nourishment and prioritizing self-nourishment. Self-care is not an afterthought. It is not a luxury. It is a necessary part of being a human being. So what does self-nourishment look like for you? What does self-care look like for you? And I'm not talking about bubble baths and pedicures. It could include that, but it can include a lot of other things. So we we all know that like my self-care is deeply tied to working out first thing in the morning. On top of that, like I take the dog for a walk. On top of that, I have certain podcasts I listen to for fun that are just exclusively for fun. That nourishes me. I'm not learning a damn thing from those people. It's just to make me laugh. (laughs) And some of it's kind of like, not even like, it's just like goofy, mindless fun. I mean, the same thing with Real Housewives, right? Like letting, that is my self-nourishment to do things where my brain can just completely let go. So what does self-nourishment look like for you? Another is to join support groups, especially if there is something where you have a real distinct um, or specific distinction in terms of what your challenge is. So for example, if you are a parent of a child with a specific need, so maybe a child who is on the autism spectrum, or maybe a child with a kind of disability, or maybe you are a parent who is one of those categories, how can you be in community with people with your specific challenges so that you're talking with people who speak the same language and you can get each other? There's so much magic in this. And next and last fifth thing that you can do is to have really clear boundaries so that everything is really open and there isn't uh, a lot of room for interpretation. So this is something we're having to get way more careful with in our household as Vinny gets older, because when he was younger, I would just do things without explaining what I was doing and why I was doing it. And now as he's getting a little bit older, like he needs to know that, no, I these are the things that you need to be responsible for. And these are the things that I'm going to be responsible for. And here's why. And this is how it's going to work. And so there's things that like we're now doing on the weekends where it's like, no, 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 like that's your job on the weekend. Like, yes, I did that for 10 years. And now it's your turn. (laughs) So like one of them is cleaning toilets. One of them is like picking up dog poop. And it's not it's not like a wishy-washy thing. It's just like, this is how it goes every week. This is the thing that you do every Sunday. And so having structure that 
is really clear and consistent in terms of house rules, in terms of how we communicate with one another. Um, we also have certain times where we communicate, like we do a walk together every single morning to school where he knows that like we can do a check-in there. We often, this time of year, we do walks after dinner as well. So there's certain places where he knows communication is available. And that also means that there's times when I am not available to communicate where I can say, hey, let's talk about that on our walk later, or let's talk about that on the walk to school tomorrow. Then there's also clear boundaries around expectations. We're getting to this even around like making snacks and around putting dishes away and all sorts of different things so that it isn't always on me to make every decision and do everything and like carry the load for everyone as he gets more and more independent and more capable. So those are your strategies. So I hope that those help. If this is something that really resonates with you, I want you to listen to this twice because I think that you might need that extra support, like listening to the research to know that you're not alone, to have some coping strategies, to really understand where this comes from, what parental burnout can look like, and then how you can start to work your way out of this. And if you know another mom struggling with this, please please share this episode. Even if you're not totally sure that they're struggling, but you're just like, hey, if you ever have a hard day in motherhood, like listen to this episode. I think this can be really helpful. And I really want this to be able to be a tool and resource for other shameless moms. So thank you for listening. I will be back on Wednesday with a fantastic interview. And until then, I'm in this with you always. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact impended. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was 
steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talk to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking.